Today we are in part two of this series we're calling Summer at City Hope, and I, I am pumped about it. Last week we had the opportunity to hear from one of our good friends, Pastor Tom Watson. He pastors the, um, the Hartzell campus of Daystar Church in Alabama. And today you're in for a special treat because you're going to get to hear from another one of our very good friends, Pastor Derek Dell. He is the, uh, he's the college, Daystar College pastor at Daystar Church. And Daystar College is a, it's a world-class academy of young people who are wanting to go into full-time ministry. And he pastors them as well as the students at Daystar Church. And you're going to get to hear from one of my favorite communicators. I love him. He's funny. He's got a laugh that is contagious. I'll tell you that right now. I just love being around him. So would you help me welcome Pastor Derek Dale today? What up, what up, what up? Hey, man. Second service. Y'all slept in this morning. I'm glad you're here. So honored that you're at City Hope. Hey, can we just let the band know how much you appreciate these guys? Didn't they do a great, great job? I told Pastor Ben, I was like, this ain't no startup church's band. I don't know where y'all bought these guys from. I'm just kidding. They're amazing. So great. And I just want to tell you from the moment I entered the room today, just God's presence was here. Uh, just so thankful for that. So can we, uh, I just feel like we're supposed to show honor where we were supposed to give honor where it's due. And definitely to the first place and most important today, Jesus, just one more time, Jesus, we just honor you for showing up for sure. And then I also just want to thank uh, Pastor Ben and Annalise and their family uh, for allowing me to be here. But I just want to honor them in that, like, y'all, and I, and I don't just say this sincerely, when I think about integrity, Ben's on my top list of integrity and also just some of the finest leaders in the world. I really believe that uh, with Pastor Ben and Annalise. And when Daystar, uh, you know, prayed for them, our church, and sent him to this calling on his life, we really felt like we were sending our best. And I feel like that's what you've got. And there is so much sacrifice that I don't know about that no one knows about, that their family has to give to make this happen. And we just honor you for that. And just thank you for having vision big enough and faith uh, just to do something like this. And we're all blessed by it. Will you let Pastor Ben and Annalise know how much you appreciate them? I mean, if you're going to do it, do it right. Just let them know. Yeah, love you guys so, so much. I am so thankful to be here. I am not alone. I don't know where they're at now, but my family is with me. So I brought a picture. Uh, this is my wife, Nikki. Now, I did not bring our cat, Peter Rabbit. Our child's going to be so confused. This is our cat, Peter Rabbit. Yes, we're cat people. Do not judge me, okay? All right, you don't know the life I've lived to get to where I'm at. Cat people, uh, this is Peter Rabbit. Uh, this is my wife, Nikki. I've been chasing this girl since high school. I was a senior, and she was in the 10th grade, and I finally convinced her to put a ring on it. Sorry, ladies. Taken, okay? Um, but I don't know why y'all laugh. I'm being serious right now. But this is Nikki, my forever lovely bride. I... Um, sincerely more in love with her today than I've ever been. She's an amazing mom. Oh, oh yeah, I mentioned this is our baby boy Silas. Yeah, and we just uh, brand new parents. We're new to this whole thing. 
So uh, now we've been praying for this guy for a long time. A long time. So as soon as me and Nikki got married, we decided, because we're older in the game, you know, we decided, hey, we're going to pursue being parents. And so a six-year journey with fertility and prayers, so many prayers and uh, bad doctor's reports and, uh, you know, uh, all those kinds of things that come with that. Frustrating. It was so frustrating at times. And then times just thought it wasn't in the cards for us. And then times of great faith and disappointment. And, you know, uh, all, all different kinds of uh, journeys through that. We finally got to a place where we're like, you know what? Let's just take a break from trying and just really believe that God will... Um, uh, we'll try back in a few months. And during that break time on nothing, we found out, hey, by the way, you got pregnant. So this is Silas King Dale, and we love him so very much. He is here. And yep, he is the cutest baby in the house, in my opinion. So you should think differently about yours, I'm sure. But I am so thankful that they're here. It's pretty cool. I love this picture because I'm holding my miracle. And we say he's a miracle baby. I mean, he really is to us. We call him a miracle baby. It's so cool. Uh, we didn't know what songs y'all were going to be singing, but um, when he was born, he was rushed into a hospital, to uh, a children's hospital in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, to do a, a small surgery, and everything was fine now. But uh, it was scary for a moment. But we really clung to the song, uh, the second song y'all sang this morning, just about raising a hallelujah. And so I love that song. So I feel like we're supposed to be here uh, today. And I really do want to talk to you about miracles. Uh, like Pastor Ben said, I just believe that miracles are for the people of God. I just believe that it's God's gift. And, and for me, like although Silas is a miracle, I think a lot of times that's what we think about with miracles is like this big thing that like one day it'll happen and that'll be a miracle. But the truth is, I think miracles happen all the time. I think that your life is filled with miracles that you're not seeing, maybe haven't noticed in a while, uh, or there's miracles that are in, the, in process, they're about to take place. And I just want us to kind of just remember today that God is a God of miracles, and His language that He speaks according to the Bible, is faith and miraculous. Like, he speaks in faith and miracles. Like, that's just his normal thing. He says, let there be light. And light comes from nowhere, y'all. Like, it's a miracle, right? That's a miracle. But that's just him talking. Because he takes what doesn't and makes it. <laughs> and so, uh, I just want us to be a part of that. And I feel like uh, that we can do that today. So... As we enter into this text, I want you to imagine your life living, believing everything God says, filled with faith, and seeing miracles happen around you all the time. I think that's the life God has for us. Uh, if you have your Bible, grab it and go to um, Matthew 13. I'm going to really stick around verse 22, but I'll kind of give you... Uh, the little scope of this story. So it's about, and if you've been in church, you've heard this probably, the parable of the sower, right? And I, this really stood out to me this week. And essentially what happens is this farmer goes out and he starts throwing seed, okay? Now the seed lands everywhere, okay? Some of it lands on a footpath. 
Some of it falls onto a, sh- a shallow soil area with rock underneath. And then some of it fell among thorns. And then still some of it fell on good soil. And the seed that fell on the good soil actually produced a crop. And it was 30, 60, even 100 times as much that had been planted, it produced because it landed on good soil. So today, I want us to think about our lives in this term. We need to know what is what. And really, in verse 22 there is where we're going to land. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly, the message is crowded out. Everybody say, crowded out? By the worries of this life and the lure of wealth, so no fruit is able to be produced. So think about your life this way with this parable. The seed is the word of God, okay? God is the farmer, right? You didn't know he was from Alabama, but he is. No, I'm just kidding. And so, uh, sorry. So he's the farmer. He's throwing out seed. And some of the seed, because our heart is the soil. So according to your heart status is the ability you're able to receive the word of God. So it's planted into your life and able to take root and you see a miraculous thing produced from your life. So think about it this way. If your heart is filled a crowded place, then that seed that lands there might not be able to accomplish what it was trying to do in your life because it gets thrown out. It gets swallowed up by all the things that you are consumed with in life. Does that make sense? So if that is true, then it's important that we look at our heart and decide, hey, if it's crowded, we got to clear it up. We got to move some of these thorns out of the way. So when, the, when God's word is spoken or is read or someone worships is put into my life, when the farmer comes to throw his seed and he's speaking all the time, when he speaks a word over me, I'm able to take that word and bury it in a good soil so that that soil can produce a crop that will go out and use for something good in my life. Makes sense? Miracles all the time. But you've got to have the soil to receive. We see this, I could show you a hundred places, literally, in the New Testament with this principle in place. But I want to go to one uh, story, and then we'll have a lot of fun. But there was this religious leader in uh, Matthew chapter 9, and he had a problem that he could not fix. Have you ever had a problem that was beyond your control? And so he went, nothing he could do. His daughter had died. So he went to Jesus and he said, I can't fix this, but you can. And if you would come and just touch her, I'd know you would fix my problem and my little girl would live again. And so Jesus says, I'll go with you. See, Jesus is moved by great faith, not extreme circumstance. I need someone to to just take that in. Just because you have a problem 
doesn't move the hand of God. What moves the hand of God is faith that God is the one who could fix your problem. That you can't do it, but God could. That he has the ability. So this man shows a heart. He knows his role. And he's like, I'm not God, you're God. You have the power. If you would come do it, she would live. So Jesus starts to go to this girl, and this is important. In Matthew chapter 9, verse 23, I want us to catch this. When Jesus arrived at this official's home, he saw a noisy crowd and heard funeral music. Another translation says there was a commotion in place. It was crazy. People everywhere. Music. All kinds of stuff. People sobbing. You know, everything you would see there. And Jesus does something weird. He says, get out. And the Bible says that he took the crowd and put everybody outside. And then it says he went in and took the girl by the hand and she stood up. A miracle happened after, catch this, catch this, catch this, after he made room to work. God God did a miracle. This morning, God wants us to make room in our heart so he can do a miracle. There's some thorns that have been in some places in our life that are about to have to get uprooted. There's some places where people have hurt us and we've been hanging on to bitterness for years and God's saying, that's the reason I can't do what I want to do in your life because it's getting weeded out. It's, it's getting uh, consumed by that thorn, by those evil places inside of your heart that's it's killing it. It's killing what I'm trying to do. We're about to make room. Say, make room. All right, so God, we just ask that you show us how to make room over these next few minutes, making room for a miracle. Because you're the God of miracles. We're your children. We're listening. We're ready. And our hearts are a wide open space to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. When I'm, I'm an only child. I'm an OC. All right, just let y'all know that, okay? That means I'm more spoiled than all of you. All right. My parents spoiled me and they did. They did a good job. I mean, they really did spoiling me as best they could. And so I had imaginary friends. Don't judge because I had no brothers or sisters. But my favorite time of the year was the summer because summer one is not quite this hot in Alabama. All right. You are blessed people, but the sun loves you so much. All right. But uh, it's like the sun and the sun are both here. They're like, come here, you know. And so you'll get that later. All that to say, during the summer was my favorite time because my cousins would come over. And we would go crazy, y'all. I mean, all hyped up on Mountain Dew. You know what I'm saying? Crazy. And my mom would try to clean our house. And this was like almost daily because my mom like was OCD, super neat freak, like clean the house. Everything had its place that stayed there for like 25 years. Like I don't need to change it. It was perfect the first time, you know, that's her. All right. And so, but it's going to be in that place. So she's trying to clean the house or daily routine. This happened almost every day during the summer. We're going crazy, doing whatever we're doing, running, going nuts. She'd look at us and she'd say, boys, girls, take that outside. And so we would like get kicked out of the house so she could have room to work. 
because she needed a little space, right? So I want you in the best voice you can, do it like you mean it. Say, take that outside. That's right. So we're going to take some stuff outside of our heart that's been staying there, that no longer needs to be there, so Jesus can come in and clear the room and have some space to work. And so the first place we're going to take outside, get rid of outside of that space is settled sin. Settled sin. Now, I want you to understand this, that everyone here is a sinner. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone, I, I feel, I feel, if you know the skeletons in my closet, all of us feel that way, I think. There's so much, but there is a difference from sin and settled sin in your life. There's a difference from making mistakes, being tempted and falling, and living in a place of this is who I am, you don't get to go here, God. And when and the Bible, I'm not just throwing out things because I'm supposed to have three things to tell you. I'm not doing that. I'm telling you that these things that I'm giving you right now truly will keep you from being able to receive the miracle God has for you. Biblically, we see this. And the first one is settled sin. When you have decided, I know better in this area than God does. That this is off limits, God. This is mine. And you can't have it. I'm sorry, you cannot have it. See, I love uh, being in student ministry because it helps me stay semi-young as I get older and older, you know. And one of the things that I love a lot of the students in Alabama say to each other, like, like when someone's doing whatever, you know, that's just them and they don't agree, they'll be like, well, you do you, boo-boo. You know, <laughs> you do you, okay? And it's just basically saying, hey, um, I might not approve of that, but you just be yourself. It's okay. You YOLO, you only live once. Be yourself, do what you... And I just want to tell you, it might be funny, but it's horrible theology. It's horrible. And what happens is when we've decided that that's the way we're going to live, truly, that we're got, you only live once, I'm going to satisfy me, I'm going to take care of number one, and I'm not going to invest or look into what God wants, and he can, you know, I love the Christian thing, but now he's getting over into my finances, you can't do that, or you get into my love life, you can't be there, God. or you're getting into, you know, my weekends and my Friday and Saturday nights, you can't be there, God. When you start to do that, what you do is you limit and create a place where the lure of wealth and you think you know better than God, thorns come up and if any seed is placed there, it's choked out and it's never able to take root to produce something good. And you wonder why you're still unhappy there. Uh-oh. You wonder why you still haven't found love, the man and God that the Lord promised to you. You wonder why your finances are still a mess. You wonder why your life still feels broken. It's because you haven't let the word of God take root into that part of your life to produce what God has spoken is yours to begin with. So you've got to make room, but you've got to give it to God and say, I have no room for settled sin in my life. You cannot have this. This is, uh, this is really for the Lord. This is, I'm not going to keep it. This is yours, God. We see this in the scripture. There's this guy. He's a rich, young man. Now, who wouldn't love that life? He's rich, he's young, and he's a ruler, which means he has authority. Okay? 
And he comes to Jesus and he says, what can I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says to him, hey, like, you know all the commandments? And he starts giving them the list, right? Don't do this, don't do this. And I just want to say this right now, because a lot of times the reason we get settled sin is because we think, or at least for me, I thought for years, the reason God said don't, 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 don't is because he didn't want me to have fun. But that's not true. Every time God says don't do something, really what he's saying, it changed my life. Don't hurt yourself, Derek. If you do this, it's going to hurt you. Don't hurt yourself. And that's essentially what, what is happening here. So he said, you know all the things that God doesn't want you to hurt yourself with? He's like, I've been doing all those things. I, I don't do any of that. I, I've listened to your word. And then the Bible says something interesting. It says, Jesus looked on him in love and compassion and said, but this is what you still need to do. You need to sell everything you have, give it to the poor so you have treasure in heaven. Then he invites him, come be a disciple, follow me. I mean, he just got an invitation to go follow Jesus. But the Bible says he turned away because it was too hard, because there was an area in his life that had settled. And he said, I can't give that part of my life up, because that's where my identity is. And so he's unwilling. When you're unwilling, you miss what God wants to do. This man could have went and been a part of all the miracles. Maybe we'd be reading about him being on the scene with all these miracles, but he missed it because he had settled in his sin. You cannot settle. Lisa Turker says, I can't continue to fully embrace God and reject his ways. You just can't do it. You can't settle. So it's got to get out of my life. I'm not settling with my sin. Instead, God, my heart's an open space. You do whatever you want to do in me. Nothing is off limits to you. You can have it all. Come on, somebody. You can have it all. The next thing is an offended heart. Absolutely. An offended heart will kill the seed and not allow it to take root in your life. This is biblical uh, truth. That if you uh, have an offended heart, if you carry a spirit of offense, I want to tell you that this is hard, and I'm not going to go as into this as much as I, I really wish I could, but I'm sure your church will be talking about this more and more uh, at different times. But an offended heart, y'all, it just, it destroys you. It destroys your life, and it limits what God can do inside of your heart. Because it's ultimately a trap. Somebody say, it's a trap. trap. See, I love Star Wars, right? It's a trap. Any Star Wars people know that. It's a trap. It really is a trap from the enemy. He uses the spirit of offense all the time. So much so that we think that's just the way you're supposed to live. That it's okay. Like, I don't like you. You believe what they did. And we just have kind of accepted it as a normal thing to carry the spirit of offense. And we wonder why we don't see the miraculous around us. Because we carry the spirit of offense like it's our job. But it's not, y'all. It's not what God has called us to. It is not from his spirit. In fact, the opposite is true. See, the world loves that way. The world says, you scratch my back, I'll scratch you. You love me, I'll love you. I'll love you to the amount that you love me. But Jesus has never loved me like that. 
He never has. In fact, the Bible says, when I was a sinner, when I was an enemy of God, it was in that moment that he came and pursued me. The Bible says that when I was far from him, didn't even know his name, he was calling me and loving me. And it says when I leave him and I'm unfaithful to him, he stays faithful to me because he loves me and it doesn't matter how I love him in return. And because he's loved me that way, Now I'm empowered through him to love you that way. So I don't have to carry the spirit of offense. Instead, I've decided ahead of time, you're not going to offend me. Because I'm, I'm a dead man anyway. I've got a new life in Christ. This is not my life. My eternal home's the next one. So you, I'm good, and I don't need your approval. Jesus has approved me. I've been approved there, so it doesn't matter what you say or think. Come on, somebody. This is the life that we've been called to live, and we've got to say we're not going to be offended with one another. But instead, we're going to believe the best of one another. We're going to lift each other up. They can talk trash about me. I'm going to speak God's blessing over them. Because God has empowered me, and this is only through his power can you accomplish this. The disciples saw all the miracles, all these different miracles, and there's one time in the whole Bible that they say, God, help us to increase our faith. There's one time. It happens after Jesus says, when someone hurts you, forgive them. And if they hurt you seven times, forgive them 77 times. So the disciples are like, we're going to need more faith. (laughs) It's only through Jesus. But I'm telling you, the spirit that lives in you is greater than the lying, deceiving spirit in this world that says it's okay to be offended and hurt and alone because it's poison. We refuse to drink it. Instead, we keep our mind on things that are good, holy, righteous, upworthy, God, kindness, goodness, self-control. That's who defines us. That is what defines our life. It's a trap. And we're not going to fall for it. The Bible says in Mark, Jesus starts to tell them, uh, the disciples, he said, listen, you can speak to the mountains and tell them to move. And if you have faith, they'll move. You're going to see miracles. He gives them all this stuff. Read it for yourself. And then he says this, but, but first, when you are praying, Forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against, and your Father in heaven can forgive your sins too. Remove it from your life, then see the miracle. We've got to do some cleaning today, get our hearts right, and the second place for sure is we've got to remove an offended heart. The third thing we've got to do is remove a false familiarity. And basically what this means is, I think there is a group of people who have decided that they have figured God out. And so they think, like, you know what? I know what God's, I've tried the church thing. It don't work for me. I've tried the praying thing. It don't work for me. I've tried that. You met these people. I have been one of these people at times, right? Well, God can't really move there. I've done that. It didn't work. 
And I'm telling you today that God is not like you. The Bible says that his thoughts are not like yours. His ways are not like yours. And you've got to decide, are you going to come to him in humility saying, you know what, God, I don't, I'm frustrated, but you're God and I'm not. You know, I, I'm, I don't feel like, I feel like my prayers are hitting the wall, but you said to pray and keep on praying. You said to ask and keep on asking. And I said that you're the Lord. That means it's about your story. And I'm not, you know, here's what too many of us do while we get frustrated with this and while we think we've got God figured out. It's because we have our plan. And when we become a Christian, what we think happens is, God, now you're inserted to bless my plan. Thank you for joining me in my plan. But that's not Christianity at all. Jesus never said to the disciples, hey, now I'm following you because you're a disciple. He said, drop what you're doing, follow me. And so I'm telling you, church, we need a church in this city that is the hope of the world, a light on a hill that says, you know what? I had my plan. My plan led me nowhere. But then I met Jesus and I said, oh, we're going this way. I'm following you. You just take me where you want me to go. I'll do whatever. And I don't know everything. I haven't got it all figured out, but I just know if I get in the room with him, the little girl gets up from the dead. I just know when I'm around him, people start to do things they couldn't do before. And I just have decided even when it doesn't go my way, it's okay because I'm still in the boat. I'm still in the presence. I'm still in the room. I'm still in the storm with Jesus. I'm still on the mountaintop with Jesus. I'm still in the valley with Jesus. And so I've just decided as long as he's there, we're going to be okay. And even if I don't know it all, it's okay. Do you know that? It's okay. It's okay. But I'm not going to pretend like I got him figured out. He's God. Sometimes he does things that I just don't understand. But his ways are greater than mine. But you know what? I do understand he's the only one when everyone left that was still there. He's been faithful to you. Come on, church. He's been faithful to you. There's this amazing part. So Jesus heals this little girl. The dad says, hey, come with me, heal my girl. He clears the room, heals this little girl. And then right after this miracle happens, he goes to his hometown. And in his hometown, people there are like, oh, that's just Mary's boy. They had become so familiar. They thought they had him figured out. They're like, that's just Mary's boy. And the Bible says that he was limited in what he could do for them because they refused to accept him as the Lord. See, it can limit what God will do in your heart when you have, think you've become so familiar with who he is and what his church does and what he can offer that you miss what he really wants to do. And the Bible says something so crazy. It says that Jesus was amazed at their lack of faith. We don't want to be those people. We don't want Jesus to be amazed at our lack of faith. Because in one, transla- in one uh, instance, he was amazed because this man said, hey, you're the only one that can do it. And in the next, he's amazed because they don't believe at all. So we don't want to be those people. Instead, we have decided we're going to clear out some space in our heart. We're going to set the culture for God to do miraculous things in faith. We're going to remove sin that has settled there. We're going to uproot it out of our life. We're going to kick out the spirit of offense. It has no place in our life. And we're going to remember that we're not so familiar with God. He's still God, and we're the followers. He didn't join our story. We joined his story. 
And that's who we are. When we get those things together, we've moved out and cleared space. Jesus did the same thing in this story. He cleared the house. He said, everybody get out of here. And then he does something awesome. It says, then Jesus took the girl's father and mother and three disciples into the room where the girl was lying. And then he did the miracle. So what he did is he cleared some things out. And then he brought some things back in. And so, once you got yourself cleared up and ready, it's time to bring a few things back in because you're prepared and ready to go make the soil, right? So when God speaks, it can take root and do what it was meant to do. So you ready to receive some things, take some things back in and plant them? Come on, somebody. So here's what we get. My mom would say that, that way too. She'd see someone at the front door and she'd say, well, come on. That's what we're saying today. Come on in. Number one, a faith-filled family. We're bringing that into our home, into our life. You can have place here. A faith. I don't have time for someone. Now, I'm not saying I don't love them. I love them. But I don't have time for them to speak into my life and my future and my destiny when they don't believe what God has said and what he has spoken. I need people around me who believe. Even when I don't believe, encourage me and remind me that God has a plan and a calling and a destiny and a purpose for you. Isn't it good today, City Hope Church, that that's not just a label for you, but that's God's plan for you, that you're the hope of the city, that you're a a city on a hill, that you're a bright light in a dark place, and that God has planned something for you and purposed something in your life, has a destiny. This isn't Ben's dream. This is God's dream for you, that you would have something awesome. And he says, you know what? You think that, don't feel like it was capped out because you got a room full. Do you think that I was just trying to get the room full? I got auditoriums that I want to fill. I got, I got places, I got hospitals that I need people healed at. I got, you think God just wanted to cap it off with a Sunday? He said, no, I want to ignite you to go live out your destiny and I'm walking with you. You need your faith-filled family to come alongside you. People who believe Because when two get together on earth and make it a prayer, the Bible says the Father in heaven goes into action. He goes into action for us. He fights for us. 2017 was the most difficult year of my life. It was so hard. You ever had a bad day? It turned into a bad week, a bad month. And then you look back at the end of the year and like, that was the worst year ever. That's kind of how it was, sincerely, the worst year. I was, well, in November, of the, at the beginning of, that, the, beginning of the year, my, um, sorry, I got a little emotional. My best friend, best man at my wedding, and truly the mentor, I feel like I had spiritual life. He was my youth pastor, passed away suddenly. Right after that, my mom was re-diagnosed with a disease that she had been battling for years. And she had kind of like nosedived back down her health-wise. And it just became a huge stress. Then I learned that I had cancer. And that I had, I mean, I was 33 years old. You're not supposed to have cancer when you're 33. And that I had cancer. And it was so difficult to... Me and my wife were struggling with getting pregnant. And in the middle of all of that, as I look back, what helped me carry through 
was I had a faith-filled family of believers around me. Not friends. Family. Church family. Some are actually blood relatives. Who walked with me in that journey. And on days I wanted to give up, they would say things like, Derek, don't let the idea or the the scare of the word cancer overtake you. Because remember, cancer bows to the name of Jesus. Remember that you carry a name that's greater than any other. I mean, they would say things like this to me in moments of, of frustration or doubt or hurt. And you need this in your life. You need people who are speaking into you and reminding you of what God did in your yesterdays so that you can walk into your tomorrows with confidence and faith. See, I know that God has been faithful there. And when I'm reminded of God's faithfulness, it empowers me to walk with confidence into my future. You need your faith-filled family. Build your life around them. In fact, I just went to uh, the doctor two weeks ago and found out I'm, I mean, third year cancer free. Come on, somebody. That's pretty cool. And so it's because I had people walking with me. You know what I'm saying? Walking with me. The second thing you have to have in your life you need to put back in is the pursuit of holiness. Now, I don't want you to hear the word holy and think about the guys in the long robes with the candles and this what it means to be holy, okay? Like, I don't want you doing that. But what I do want you to think about is it simply means to be set apart. That's what holy means. You need to decide that I'm going to pursue being set apart from some things so I can pursue the main thing. I'm going to say no to some things so I can say yes to the main thing. I'm setting myself apart. I don't do what everyone else does because I get to do what no one else does. So Here this way. I don't say yes to what everyone else is saying yes to because God has some things for me that I have to be set apart for so I'm the only one who gets to go do. And he has that for you too. For you too. Why do I want to join in the crowd? I'm about to make a crowd of my own with Jesus and what he has for me. My family. We're going to do something special. I don't need to be, I can give up my Friday night because I'm going to have a good 70 years of doing what God has for me to do. I'm going to look back and be proud about my life and not just wonder where my Fridays went. Do you hear me, church? You have to decide I'm pursuing holiness. Basically what this looks like, and it's a beautiful verse, search me, O God, know my heart. Test me, know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and let me lead along the path of everlasting life. In other words, anything in me, God, it's yours. Set me apart in every way. Do whatever you want to do. It's all yours. I'm not holding anything back. I am pursuing you. Set me apart so you can use me however you want to use me. This is a beautiful thing, and this is God's calling for our life. This is what aligns you for the miracles that God has planned for you when you set yourself apart. See, some of you, God's been trying to speak to you, 
do some things in your life, but you've been so cluttered in busyness, so doing what everybody else does, that he was trying to talk to you, you know, trying to talk to you, but you weren't there to hear it. He was trying to put his seed inside of you to produce something in your heart and in your life, but you've been nowhere around to listen. That's why it's so important. I've done the same thing. Listen, we all make mistakes, but we have to set ourselves apart and pursue holiness. God, you do whatever you want to do in my life. That's who we are. The third thing, and it's so important, is the God of the promise. You want to take the God of the promise. Come on in. Get in the room with me. Let me tell you the God that is in the room with me, that I truly believe this. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in other words, what that means is the same God that walked into the room and healed that little girl is the same God who walked into UAB hospital with me to help me with my cancer. It's the same God when the storm comes tomorrow who's on the boat with me. It's the same God who's walking with you in times of uncertainty. It's the same God who's with you when you get that diagnosis. It's the same God who stayed when the wife left. Who's the same God who was there and nurtured you when you didn't have a dad. It's the same God he is is the one. He is the one, the same yesterday, today, forever. And his promises are yes and amen. See, 2017 was the worst year of my life. I was diagnosed with cancer. And then shortly after, my mom got real sick. And what was just normally a disease for the past few years that we thought was relapsing actually turned out to be, had morphed into a very rare cancer. They said less than 1% of all cancers are this cancer. They didn't even have a name for it. It was doubling in size every day. And within three days of after we found out that this is a cancer, she passed away. Now, for years, I had been praying for my mom. I have been a pastor a long time. I've had the pleasure of standing on a lot of stages and, and and platforms, and presenting the gospel, and in a lot of circles of people to ask them to pray for my mom, and that she would be healed. What happens when what you prayed for didn't happen? What happens when what you believed for didn't happen the way you thought it would? And this is the question that happened for me. I've been praying for years for my mom. I watched other people get healed of cancer during that time. But why not my mom? And I know someone in this room feels that. And maybe it was even hard to hear me talk about miracles because you think that's a joke. Because I've been praying, I've been asking, and God still has. He must not love me. He must not care. Or he must not be real because it's not working. Can we be real with each other? That's how it felt. That's how it felt. And I remember, thank God I had a faithful family. Thank God I had decided, made a decision. It wasn't a wavering decision. I've decided I'm pursuing holiness. I'm bought in until the end. And I'll either be dead wrong or I will be in heaven with Jesus. And I have a feeling I know how it's going to end. But I decided that I'd pursued those things. But I remember one night I was sitting in my living room, that perfect living room, right after my mom passed without her. And I was looking up on the, the walls, you know, things that hadn't changed in years. 
And I saw this little uh, poem that she had uh, printed and put on the wall, framed it years ago. And I read it again, and God just spoke to me in that room. Just like I'm speaking, y'all, this has been a few times in my life, I felt like God was just, just speaking. And the poem said this. It said, it was basically the story about a man who had a dream and he was on the beach side with God and he was walking with God along the beach and he looked back and he saw all of the two sets of footprints walking along the beach but then he noticed something. Every time life was really hard, every time he was at his wit's end, every time the most painful moments in his life, there was only one set of footprints. And he got upset, just how I was feeling in that room that night. And he said, God, where were you? I love you. And on my journey, when life was its worst, you left me. Why did you leave? And God spoke to him and he said, son, I love you. I would never leave you. It was in the worst moments of your life. It was in the cancer diagnosis. It was in the moments where the people left you and forgot you. It was in the moments they rejected you. It was in the moments that you even thought I let you down. It was those moments I was carrying you. And I'm just telling you guys, something swept over me and God started speaking to me. And he said, remember, remember when you, and he brought me back to when you felt so alone and I brought you a family that believed. Remember when your dad was an alcoholic and I delivered? Remember? And he just started bringing me back to these points in my life. And then it was like he just said, so don't you know that if I was with you, it carried you, that right now I'm lifting you up. And the fact that you can sit here and be okay, not being okay, means I'm in the room with you. And that you can keep going and walk through this. You thought you'd never be able to walk through this. And you've looked back. You've been walking through it because I've been walking with you. I've been carrying you. You're not alone. I've come to tell somebody at City Hope, I know you feel alone. I know you feel like he's not the God of the promise. But his word is yes and amen. And today, I realized that it was during that time that right now I can recognize, hey, my mom is in heaven. God did heal my mom. He gave her a body that is beyond anything I could ever imagine. And one day I'm going to be reunited with her. He did heal my You know, it was also in those moments where I was like, God showed me. It was, I was praying for a kid during that whole time and it never would happen. But because I had went to the doctor to try to pursue a child, it was in that moment they found out I had cancer so I could be healed because I got, I found out I had cancer within three months of the, uh, the actually developing, they said, inside of me. So it was because of that, a 94% rate of death cancer, I am completely free from because God was walking with me. He wasn't leaving me. I thought he wasn't answering me. He had the answer with me. He was carrying me. It was during all of that. And today I can get up here and share my story and encourage people. You know why? Because God was walking with me. Because he didn't forget me. He hasn't forgotten you. You're not alone. Will you close your eyes today? And I just want to ask this question. If you need to make room in your life for a miracle, and you have the faith to believe that God is walking with you and that he's carrying you through the hardest times, 
and you just want me to pray for you this morning, you want me to pray for you because I would be so honored to pray for you and your miracle. But if you'd say, I'm just being honest, I have some, I don't even know if I'm a Christian, to be honest with you, Derek. That's okay. Today's a new day. This is your moment. Maybe you say, hey, I'm a believer, but the truth is, I've let some sin settle. It's become foundational in parts of my life. That's okay. You know what? God's here, and we're about to blow that thing up and get it out of your life. Maybe you'd say, I've been holding on to bitterness, and it has become poison in my life. That's okay. Jesus is here. Whatever it is, maybe you, like me, thought you had God figured out. And God's just here to remind you, I'm so much bigger than you think. I've been, I've been walking with you the whole time. You're not alone. I'm with you. I got you. Trust me. I got you. Even when you don't understand, I got you. I got you. I hear your prayers. I got you. Whoever you are, if you just want prayer today to say, I just want to be that man or woman, that faith-filled person to walk in those miracles, just wherever you are, will you just lift your hand if that's you? We just I see hands everywhere. Anybody else? Anybody else? Yeah, front to the back. Yeah, just leave it there. Be bold. Leave it there. I'm gonna pray for you right now. I wanna look at you as I pray because I'm. I, this is not a game for me. I'm believing this prayer as I pray it. So God, I thank you for every hand that is raised, every person that says, hey, <laughs> there's been some stuff in my life. Life happens. But the good news today is sin took its best shot at me. And when it left me for dead, a man named Jesus came into the scene. And he took me up and he bandaged my wounds. And he took care of my heart. And now he said, go and I will go with you. I will walk with you. My spirit is with you. I've empowered you to do great things. And so we just take on that calling again. I pray Ephesians 4 and 1 that we are worthy of the high calling we have received through Jesus Christ that there is nothing that we can't do through Jesus it's all about you Jesus it's always been about you we love you we don't say join our story we say we're joining yours show us where you want us to go we're gonna be the people you've called us to be and we are gonna walk in faith and miracles because we walk with God and where God goes miracles happen where God speaks he speaks in faith and love we're patient with others because we are in love we are in love with the creator of all and he's empowered us to do great things empower us more today to be the people you want us to be I love my city hope family I pray for a blessing over every one of them from the top of their head to the soles of their feet and we do it all in the mighty name of Jesus that's above cancer above divorce above brokenness, above depression, above anxiety, above loneliness, above discouragement, above all of it is the name of Jesus. And it's in that name we're found. Come on, everybody. Amen. Will you celebrate Jesus one time today just because he's the King of Kings, he's the Lord of Lords, and he deserves it. Wow, wow. Can we just give Pastor Derek a hand too? Thank you, Pastor Derek. Thank you so much for sharing that.
He, he said as he was driving in this morning, he kind of imagined you all sitting out there with a bunch of trench coats on. And uh, because, because you're, you're a dealer of hope. <laughs> he said he could just imagine you walking up to somebody out in Wichita Falls going, hey, what, what you, you need some hope? I got you right here, man. I got you right here. That's what, you're a hope dealer, man. You, we love God, we love people, and we give hope. That's what we do, and he's called you. God has called you with a purpose and a destiny. And let me tell you this, you are a miracle waiting to happen. You may, you may be waiting for a miracle to happen, yes, but you too, you're a miracle waiting to happen on somebody else in life. Amen? Amen. I believe that. Hey, if you made a decision today, we want to help you with that decision, whether that was committing your life to Christ or recommitting your life, or maybe you want to be baptized, we want to help you with those next steps. What we know is that uh, there is more to life. There's more to this Christian walk than just going, hey, that's me. I want to, be, I want to, I want to follow Jesus. Sometimes we just need to know what's next. Like, what do, I, what do I do from here? How do I live this out? We want to help you with that. And so in your worship, God, if you made a decision today, take out that connection card and just check the box right there in the middle. It says, my decision today, and we'll help you with those next steps. And, uh, and we'll send you an email this week to let you know what, what do I do. We'll help you with that, all right? So uh, as we get ready to give and, and worship the Lord with our giving, our ushers are going to come in just a moment. But I wanted to celebrate something with y'all that just, I, I mean, I'm telling you, it is just amazing. And uh, we are part of an organization called Association of Related Churches. When we started this church, uh, they helped us start the church. They, they helped fund us and they helped train us and so we love that organization we've been a part of it since since last year and part of that part of what we do is help plant other churches and so from the beginning of ark is the, is the name of it the short name from the beginning of ark um, since around the year 2000 826 churches have been launched through that organization just yeah that's pretty awesome this year alone, 33 churches have started. We were one of the 33. We were one of 33 that started. And on launch day, on the very first day, I, I, I don't want to get it wrong. I, I, I want to make sure I, I, I get it right here. But uh, uh, da, 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 I can't find it, and I don't want to tell you a lie. That would be bad if I lied to you, wouldn't it? Be like, no, check this out. 842 churches, right? 33 churches started this year. 405 decisions were made for Jesus Christ on day one of all those churches. And the average attendance is 293. We've planted three churches globally so far this year. And uh, I'm telling you, this fall, we're going to plant about another 30 to 40 churches. It's going to be incredible. And I share that with you because it's part of your giving. When you give, it helps make that happen. Part of your dollar goes to plant churches all across America. It goes to meet needs in, in Uganda. It goes to meet needs in Cuba. It goes to meet needs right here in Wichita Falls, Texas. Come on, somebody. I, I, what I'm praying for, listen, I, I'm going to bring a message in a few weeks that, that is, is going to set us up for Serve Day. Serve Day is coming July 13th. And I'm telling you, there are people in our city dying and going to hell. When you give to to the Lord. When you give, it makes a difference in those people. We're seeing people saved, set free, 
born again. They're leaving lives of addiction. They're walking away from lifestyles, and God's doing a work in them because of your generosity. So I want to say thank you for being generous. And as we give today, our ushers are coming to serve you. I'm just going to bless you, and, uh, and then when we say amen, we'll stand up and worship God one more time. So Lord, I thank you that we get to be a blessing today. We're bringing our tithes and our offerings to to you, Lord, and, and we just give them because you've been good to us. You, you've been faithful, and what can we do in return to just, to just bless you, to, to honor you, Lord? So we bring this offering, and we ask you to let it make a difference in our city. Let it make a difference in Uganda and Cuba and all across America as we plant churches. Give us favor in that. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen. And let's stand up on our feet, and let's sing this one more time. He has no rival. There is no equal to the name of Jesus. He's all-powerful. Come on, let's declare. Say, you have no rival. You have no equal. prayer team is here to pray with you today if you are in you're in a place where you need a miracle they want to lift you up and pray for you on your way out today because of your generosity there hey there is free ice cream sandwiches you already paid for them and free city hope car stickers so get those on your way out growth track is happening right now go with god he's going with you